looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Welcome back, everyone, to Make Money Make Sense. I am your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host this week, DJ Smith. And this week's podcast guest is John Azar. John is one of the founding members of Peak 15 Capital, and they do multifamily syndications just like ourselves. And we found a lot of value with what John had to bring to the table, what knowledge he has. He's syndicated over 7,000 units, and he's been doing this since about 2009, so a little bit longer than some people in the multifamily game have been doing this for. So we really you know, take in with value what he has to say. We're looking to partner with John on some potential deals, and that's been really fun so far as we get everything figured out. If you guys can, real quick, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, writer's review, as it does help out the show tremendously. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, you can reach out to me directly at Dante at VictoryCapGroup.com. We'd love to have some new guests on the show. With that said, let's welcome John Azar into this week's episode, and let's hop right to it. All righty, John. Thank you so much for stopping in the show today. Uh, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick to our audience? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, John Azar. I am um, a managing uh, uh, ma- managing partner and founder of Peak 15 Capital. I'm also a managing member of MacVenture Partners. Um, my two firms are uh, in a syndication and uh, uh, co-GPing business of multifamily. My um, uh, MacVenture Partners, we have been a syndicator in the Southeast since about 2009, 2010. And um, We've syndicated about a little over almost 7,000 doors and since, uh, since during that time. And, and uh, we've since been, since 2019, we decided to be a net seller in the market and we've been sort of shitting some assets off our portfolio. Uh, my other company, Peak 15 Capital, uh, whom I'm a, a founder and managing partner, is, is uh, we started that as a, as a capital placement, uh, uh, equity capital placement firm for syndicators, specifically built for sponsors and syndicators. And uh, uh, we now do uh, uh, capital placement as well as co-GPing on deals. And we also syndicate um, our own deals as well. Um, uh, in, in specific areas uh, across the country, not just in the Southeast. So what period of time uh, have you been doing the syndication, kind of reset the clock for us? Talk to us a little bit just about the beginning and your entry into syndication. Yeah, sure. Um, syndication. So, so the, the, the other firm, which uh, my, my brother, Tony is the partner and, and, and CEO of that, of that company, um, my brother, Tony, uh, we opened doors in that in 2000, uh, really the first deal, uh, multifamily deal um, was, was done in 2009 and then uh, kind of started growing that firm since then. In, uh, by about 2013, 2014, um, you know, we were at a point where we were ready to kind of take the next step in sort of in our transition and our evolution, every company, every, not, not just every company in our, in our business, but really every company in general goes through their own evolution and, and, and have different inflection points in their, uh, during their, their growth period. And, and we were, for us, we were hitting that inflection point around 2000, 
2014, 2013, to where we were ready to, to take on more sophisticated capital and, and, and kind of graduate from the, the country club money to some extent and, and go to the next level and start doing more institutional raises. At that point, we were around, um, you know, about a little under 2,000 units probably. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we had to shift gears from going from like, again, from, from around that number a little under 2,000 units to, to kind of shift it to, to the next level to be where we're hitting that inflection point of having to look at ourselves with a critical eye, what we need to do internally, as again, every company needs to do as they're going through their own evolution and, and their own inflection points. And uh, uh, from 2014 till to about 2019 was probably our, our biggest growth that we had. Um, under Mac, we, we went from you know, again, from, from, from a little under 2000 doors to, to about you know, almost 7,000 doors during that time. And, um, had a lot of fun doing it. It was, it right. was, uh, it, you know, I love this business every, every day. I still love this business every day. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It was a blast and it's still a blast. And, um, even as crazy as the market it is right now, and as, as nutty as, as everything is, it's, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it, it brings something new every day. Right. No, I love it. And you're obviously no stranger to this concept of commercial real estate syndication. You've been doing it since 2009 is what it sounds like. You've really built a, an impressive portfolio. With that portfolio, is it scattered around uh, certain markets or are you focused on certain markets that you have that portfolio in? Uh, we in, in, in our Mac Venture Partners portfolio, we concentrated uh, at the time at, on Southeast region only. We still do. I mean, if we, we haven't done a syndication in, in a while under, under that flag, but uh, we, we still concentrate on, on, on Southeastern. Um, even for me at peak, uh, peak 15 for, for my, my new company, peak 15 capital, when I do syndications and I look at syndications that I'm involved in, not a capital raise for other, um, other sponsors and syndicators. When I do a, a syndication myself uh, that I am the, the GP or co-GP on, um, I, I tend to look in either the south, the southeast, and in the Sun Belt region. So I, that does include Texas um, and, and and those areas. So I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking to invest in the Northeast. I'm not looking to invest in uh, uh, in the West Coast per se. Um, you know, I, I, never going to say never. <laughs> there, if, yeah. if if a right deal comes to my door and uh, you know it, it has the right numbers and the and the right synergies are in place and uh, I can bring. I can bring our GP, co-GP capabilities to the deal and bring money to the deal and, uh, and then, then I'll do it. But uh, in general, I try to stick for in, in the Southeast and Sunbelt region for, 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 for us to co-GP on deals. Um, right, uh, right. You know, but but if, I'm, if I'm just strictly placing equity on deals and helping uh, syndicators and sponsors attain institutional equity, which is what we do at Peak, is, is bring institutional equity to the table, uh, meaning we're bringing... Uh, bringing one check to the table for the most part, you know, we're not, right. we're not going out there bringing, you know, we're, we're not, we're, 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 yeah, we're not bringing individual investors to the table. That's not what we do. Um, I, actually, we cannot bring individual investors to the table. My charter, uh, my charter with peak 15, did, you know, would not allow us to work with individuals. We're not an RIA. Uh, we're not a broker dealer. So we're not bringing and that we can't work with individual investors. The only time I can work with individual investors is if I'm involved in the deal myself as a GP. Gotcha. Um, okay. So if I, I got brought into a deal as a, as a general partner, then I can tap into my network of investors, of individual investors and bring them to the deal with me. Uh, right. But I can only, I can only do that if I'm part of the, part of the deal myself. Well, 
let, let's talk about that a little bit. So something in the beginning you mentioned is you guys graduated from the country club money, you know, the friends and family that have a lot of money, the people that you network with and meet that have a significant amount of capital. And I would imagine when you say graduated from, you moved into more the family office, the private money, the institutional uh, funding. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. And yeah. how were you able, I, I think that's- And, a, and when a, I say, I, and I'm sorry, uh, don't mean to cut you off. When I say graduated, I don't, I don't mean we, we, didn't, we no longer needed Right, you just uh, opened up a new, a new avenue. Absolutely. I mean, our investors, our family of investors, and we call them family because that's, you know, we, that's how we'd like to treat them and would like them to feel that way. Uh, we, you know, they were with us all along the way through our growth. So a lot of our syndications, you know, we still did a lot of syndications that involved our, our investors, our individual investors that we brought, brought them on on deals. And, and uh, you know, so that they're, they're, I mean, they're the bread and butter there. They are the soul of a, of a syndicator company. If, if a syndicator does not know how to harvest and, and retain and value and, and grow their individual investor network, they're not doing it right because that is, that is absolutely one of the part, the, the most important part of a syndicator's, um, you know, vault is, is right. their investors. Yeah, and we, we've actually seen where uh, somebody recommended this to us. They said, uh, if I was to start all over again as a syndicator, I, I would start by being a great money raiser. Yeah. And participating in deals as yeah. a GP by helping to bring equity to the table. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, John, with re with regards to institutional equity, there's a lot of people out there, syndicators doing smaller stuff and people that are trying to scale their business. If somebody's interested in moving away from, uh, like you had talked about, the, the country club money, I love that term, the individual investors, and they want to get involved in uh, the institutional equity. Well, what was it that you did? How would you guide them through that process to, you know, take that step that you did, your inflection point, you're calling it another great term? Yeah, it's, it's uh, it, 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 there's, look, there's no magic about collecting investors or, or you know, the, the magic is relationships. That's really the only magic word. The magic, the magic word is, 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 re is reestablishing relationships. And, and that goes for individual investors. That goes for institutional investors. Uh, the other thing that we did that I did early on, you know, back in, in, in 2014, 2015 and beyond um, the first couple of years that we decided to do that, to, to kind of go after, in, 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 you know, a higher equity institutional equity and private equity uh, equity is to is for me to just show up, just get, just be in front of as many people as possible, uh, institutional investors as possible, and and start the relationship. And I didn't have deals at the time. I mean, I didn't have deals that that we fit their criteria at the time. Sometimes, you know, uh, the only thing I had was was our short history of of existence and what we've done and the deals and our profile, uh, my background, my brother's background. Um, how we run our company, what kind of deal, what kind of team we have in place, what, what we're prepared to do. Um, you've got to have all that, you know, you, you got to have your story and your plan set essentially when you show up in front of some of those guys, because uh, they're going to ask you some hard questions and you better be prepared to answer them. And you better have a plan in mind uh, because uh, you know, it, it, the worst thing they can say is yes, sometimes um, because if they say yes, and you're not prepared and you don't know, you don't have your shit together. Excuse me. I don't know if I, if I could say, if I could say that and, and on your show, but if, if they don't have, if they don't have their, you know, duty together, uh, they could, right. uh, you know, you, 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 you're, you leave yourself exposed. They never, you, you just burnt your, your, your most valuable asset and institutional investors who, who, who said yes to you, but 
you know, you're like a, a kid who doesn't know what to do with a new toy. So you have to have, you have to have your, 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 your plan ready more importantly than even like, so that's why, that's why I always tell people, I'm like, be prepared for the yes, more so than be prepared for the no, the no, you should already expect, expect it. The no is part of just, it's just part of the equation. So. I, I, those are just two phenomenal points right there. Be ready for the yes. Cause I think as investors, we all go through that, right? Whether you're, you're flipping a single family home and somebody finally accepts an offer uh, obviously moving into this space and, uh, you know, somebody accepts your LOI. Uh, yeah. And fortunately Dante and I actually discussed that, right. Looking ahead, we have to be prepared for that. Yes. I love that advice as well as the relationship piece. I, I just think is phenomenal. So in dealing with them, what type of questions, and it feels a little bit shark tankish, uh, if I can relate to that, uh, you got I some phenomenal business people, right? That you, you see people go on that show and fail, not because their business is bad or they don't have a good model, but they don't know how to handle the communication. And like you're saying, they don't know how to handle the yes. So I, so if somebody's getting in front of uh, institutional investors for the first time, uh, you know, wh what advice would you give them to be ready for that? Yes. What, what I mean, what, first of all, what made you want to go after institutional investors to begin with? What do you have that with your individual investors right now, with your investor pool that you currently have that you cannot do without an individual, without institutional investors? Why do you need in, institutional investors? So that, that's the first question that, people need to ask themselves. Is it because they're going after bigger deals? Uh, is it because they're expanding? Is it because, um, you know, the capital they need is, is a lot, you know, a lot higher on the, on the capital stack pool? What, what, you know, that's the question they need to answer themselves before they even, you know, why are they going after that? And, and that's goes for, you know, doesn't it go any, you know, for everything in life, like, why are you doing something that's just should be, you know, uh, you know, if you start to answer that question for yourself, for everything you do in life, before you do it, we probably avoid a lot of, a lot of missteps in life. If you ask, you just stop to ask yourself, why am I doing this? You know, and uh, you kind of reflect on that. Um, I'm guilty of sometimes not doing it, but I try to do it as much as possible in my life. But uh, uh, that gives you a pause to, to, to really get your, get your plan together. Um, you know, the other thing to be prepared for is, is again, what I said, uh, when be prepared for that. Yes. And what that means, um, I wasn't, I wasn't saying it to be, um, you know, to be smart alecky. It's, it's really meaning what that means is that be prepared internally for your growth, for your next stage of growth. So, if, you know, if, an, if, if, if you do land in front of institutional investors and you're able to, to give them your pitch, um, whether it's the first time or the 10th time and depends what you're trying to accomplish, um, they're going to ask you like, you know, Hey, are, you know, if we give you, if we write you a check for $10 million today and get you, to, you know, get you that 500 unit portfolio or 400 unit deal, are you ready for that? Can you absorb right, that? Right. You yep. know, can you, do you have the capacity? Do you have people in place? Who do you have in place? You know, who's doing your books? Who's, you know, who do you, do you have, you know, a legal team in place? Do you have property management in place that's ready to, to, to do that? Are you third-party managing? Who are you third-party managing? Um, who, who do you think you're going to get? So you have to have a plan. Like you get, you know, when, when, that's what I meant when, when somebody says a yes. You know, it's maybe the worst thing you can hear is because you have to have, if you're not prepared, you don't have that plan and they start peppering you with those questions, um, you know, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta be ready. Uh, and that's, that's really what I perfected for me 
when I, in the early days of going out to start establishing relationships, uh, that gave me a, um, that gave me such a great sort of, I don't want to say practice because I wasn't really practicing. It was, I was not, I was, I went from, I went from like none to, to, to all, uh, right away. It wasn't, there was no practice, practice runs. Um, so it, 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 it definitely gets you to, to examine yourself critically and you go back after, after for me, when I was doing it, I always went back, uh, because I traveled like hell back then. I, I was, I was flying to, I was going to Boston, New York, uh, you know, Philly, Miami, uh, I mean, I was on the road all the time uh, because, you know, <laughs> old school time before COVID when we met in, 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 in you know, <laughs> person to person, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that's, that's what I did. I knocked on, you know, people's doors, you know, uh, their offices and, just, you know, I had requested meetings for them. And a lot of times back then, I mean, you know, we, you know, it was not, we weren't that big. Um, you know, like, you know, what, what the hell is this guy? Why does he want to meet with me? Um, but I got the meeting most of the time. I mean, you know, if, if you, if you email somebody and say, Hey man, I'm a Boston and you know, would love to, would love to have like just 10 minutes of your time, 20 minutes of your time to sit down and just give you a value proposition and we're a syndicator. We're doing this, we're doing that. But most, most guys will give you a meeting. It's not like they're not going to give you a meeting, especially if you are in their city and you're saying, Hey, I, can I drop by your office for, for a few minutes? Right. Um, you can do the same thing now, but except you can do it vastly easier via this platform that we're talking to through right now, you know, yep. you, you don't have to even inconvenience people by going to their offices. You can just say, can we hop on a zoom call? Yeah. Uh, I'll shoot so, you you're, link. so you're, 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 you know, people, you know, you should thank your lucky stars that we have, that we have, that we went through COVID so that now everybody's mindset is completely different on approaching business development and, and investor outreach because yep. we are vastly, Far, whoever is investing and in, in raising capital and getting in front of institutional investors now have a vastly easier job than I did seven years ago, eight years ago. Right now, with those institutional, you know, partnerships that you yeah, you've made to bring in that capital, are those JVs or those still syndication structures? Uh, George, those are those are JVs typically. I mean, you start out as a syndication structure, but they're gonna they're gonna reshuffle the decks however they want to reshuffle the deck. So you know, right. you can you can you can put in front of them whatever you put on, put in front of them. They're gonna burn it to the ground till you. That's what they want. It, you know what they want to do. So exactly. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. People always stress out like what well, what what should we put out like in front of them? Like you know, a lot of even I get it even now. I mean, I get it now all the time uh, when I work with sponsors and syndicators on fundraising for them uh, on equity raising. They you know they're like, well, we already have a we already have uh, a PPM or we already have a, a you know, a, a syndication documents. I'm like, fine, that's fine. It's not, I'm not telling you not to amend anything. Don't go changing things. You're not, you don't need to have anything special in place because if I bring you an institutional investor to the table, they're going to tell you what you need to change anyway. So right. Right. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have to, you know, worry about it up front. They're going to tell you what you need to change and they're going to tell you what they'd like they're going to, before they give you a, or after they give you an LOI and, and, you know, it is what it is. So don't worry about it so much. So John, that deal structure then, uh, does it, does it basically remain similar to your typical, not that there is a typical, but uh, you know, your middle of the road syndication model, and you're just replacing all those individual investors with this other lump sum of money um, splits uh, terms of those deals. Are they basically the same? No. As an individual investor? Uh, yeah, I'm talking replacing the individual investors with that institutional money, yeah. right? 
Yeah. I, it, those returns that are going back to the institutions, do you get a bargain versus going with the individual investors? What are some of the differences no. from, from your perspective? Yeah, no. I mean, your returns, your your what you, what syndicators usually or sponsors walk away from from uh, as far as what they make on deals uh, tend to be um, uh, more beefy with with individual investors than than institutional investors um, because individual investors you got to understand they come in as LPs, limited partners. They're not coming in as they're not coming in as as co GPs or JV um, and, and LPs by nature have a lot less power in a deal. Uh, you, you, that's why they're called limited partners, hence the term limited. Um, so you, you know, they're not, they're not coming in to dictate anything out of the deal for, from you. They're not they're you know, they, they, they're not coming in to tell you how to run anything. They're not coming in to tell you when you can sell, when you can, you can hold. Um, so a lot of, a lot of that doesn't exist with individual investors. When you do strictly an individual investor raise, you're, you, you're, in, you're, in, you definitely retain certainly a lot more control at the very least. And, and you probably make a little bit, a couple of extra points, uh, you know, as a sponsor, as a, G, as a, as a, as a GP, as a general partner um, with just individual investors or LPs, limited partners, uh, than you do with an, an institutional investors who, it also depends on what, how the institutional investors coming in. Some institutional investors we have, um, you know, with Peak that we bring sometimes to syndicators do come in as LPs. They just want to come in as passive investors. They don't, you know, a lot of time, even if the money's huge, even if they come in and write, you know, multi-million dollar check uh they 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 tell us they're just their their strategies they come in as lps they're not really interested in being 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 gps they don't want it they don't want control they don't want anything they're just they, you know um they just want to come in as limited partners and that's fine that's great that's what that's ideal for uh for 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 a sponsor or syndicator yeah part, um, part of the negotiation process and kind of working through you know i think all these deals end up being unique yeah. They all end up being in a negotiation. It's, it's figuring out a team to put together to run this, you know, mini business, which is, uh, you know, in, in our case, multifamily apartment buildings. Yeah, that's um, right. So you're, you're, you mentioned earlier you, you, the why. What was your why for going for these institutional funds? Uh, we, we started looking at bigger, bigger assets and we, frankly, uh, it's it, sort of the, 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 the most attractive and, and I don't want to, I don't want to say a trap because it's not a trap. It's, it's good. The, the, uh, the most attractive thing about it, institutional investors, they, they write one check. So yeah, and that's what I said earlier. I mean, you're not going out and raising from 30, 40 people to bring to the table for syndication. Um, you're going out to, to, you might be pitching 10 institutional investors or, or 15 individuals, but at the end of the day, they're writing one check to you. So if your right. capital stack is, has gotten bigger uh, and depends on what your comfort level is. So, um, you know, if, if you are comfortable raising from individual investors, $10 million, God bless you, go raise it. You don't need institutional investors. Keep, you know, there, there are, uh, you know, a few very, very successful uh, sponsors in our business syndicators uh, who are marketing machines and who will raise, who will do a $15 million raise from individual investors and, and sell it out within a month. God bless them. That's great. You know, right, that's, right. If, they, if you can do that, you don't need to go to institutional investors. Good, good uh, problem to have. <laughs> good, a good problem to have. Good problem yeah. to have. Most of us, uh, you know, in, in the real world, you know, uh, most sponsors out there usually tap out at a certain numbers from individual investors. Um, right. You know, usually tap out at, you know, I know for us, you know, even self-admittedly uh, at Mac, we usually would tap out around 
you know, 4 million or so, four or 5 million bucks, like beyond four or 5 million bucks, we just didn't have the, the capacity to bandwidth with our individual investors to, to syndicate a deal beyond that, mm. beyond that amount. Yeah. Great that, perspective. That, yep. yep. Yeah. That was just, that was just our network. You know, so we were comfortable bringing up to about four or 5 million to the deal beyond that. We just, we just, we, our investors were tapped out. So uh, that was the reason that's, that's really one of the main reasons. That was the reason for us. That was the why is we started looking at deals that required seven, eight, nine, $10, $12 million to, you know, of equity to the deal. And, uh, you know, instead of, instead of trying to, to, to reconfigure the wheel, we just, just said, Hey, you know, why don't we just grow an institutional investor base and, and, and start using that? Yeah, no, I like that. And kind of getting back to that institutional capital of deal structure. Why don't you give us an example of what deal structure is? So typically in the syndication structure with the individual investors, You've got your seven, six, seven, eight percent pref. You got your 60, 40, 70, 30 split. What does that look like as institutional? Is it just a straight split? And if so, what is a very common split that you do see? And do you still have those acquisition, disposition, asset management uh, fees as well? Everything is negotiable, as DJ okay. said. Understood. <laughs> no, no. Everything is negotiable. There's no, there's no cookie cutter approach. Uh, some institutional investors, it depends what's important to them, will come in and tell you right away that, hey, man, mm, we don't yeah. we really, really don't care about cash, cash on cash. That's not a that's not a driver for us. Right. Uh, uh, some some of them will tell you even IRR is not a driver for them. That's not how they make a decision on deals. What is important to them is what how many X the deals will make. They need to make two X of their money within a certain period. They don't, they don't they don't care how you do it as long as in four years your deal will will give it will give us two x and that's that's what they that's what they want so um, uh, some of them uh, you know will care that they need to have a certain cash on cash coming in some of them will care that the IRR is 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 part of the deal that has to meet certain proof and most of them most of them I'd say the majority of the ninety percent of them they will definitely look at the IRR and the deal because the IRR and the deal really will will is it is is a very much of a leading indicator whether the deal is going to make money or not, no matter which, no matter which lever you're looking at uh, that is attractive for you as an investor, whether it's two xing your money or cash flowing or you're getting cash on cash, or whatever. If the IR of the deal is, is dropping below a certain threshold, and you know you know you're not going to make money, you're not going to make a certain return. So I mean, if an IRR of a deal is 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 dropping, I mean, you know what you're going to make out of a deal just from from the IRR perspective. Um, and 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 really a lot of a lot of institutional investors and a lot of like really high big funds and big hedge funds and big some of the big guys that actually buy for their own portfolios, that's who's scooping up a lot of the deals that you know you're scratching your head, you're going, how did I lose this deal? Like how do they how does somebody win this deal from me and pay two million dollars more than I offered? You know, that's not possible. Like the numbers, I crunch the numbers. And it just doesn't cash flow. You're right. It doesn't cash flow, not based on your numbers, but it's fine for them because their expectation of numbers may be vastly lower than yours. So, I mean, if somebody, if you're, if you're underwriting to a 12% IRR and your minimum floor is 11 or 10% and you're competing against a big institutional, you know, fish or whale who who might be a fund and, and their fund directive is telling them you need to invest this money uh, before the end of the year. And we don't care if you get 5% IRR. If somebody has a, if I'm competing against somebody who's got a 5% IRR threshold, I can never win 
I'm never going to be able to deal goodbye. Win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a deal goodbye because they're, they, they you know, the honey baby, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be able to win. They're going to win over me any day because they can overpay me by a long shot. You know? So it just, it just depends on the expectation and what they're, what the money's worth to them and how much they want. So, uh, so to answer your question, I don't, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a roundabout way to answer your question, but it's, it, there, there is no, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Everything is negotiable. Um, there is a still waterfall schedule, obviously for deals and you're gonna have to negotiate that with 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 them it depends what type of equity they're bringing to the table some of them will bring straight up jv equity some of them will bring some kind of a some kind of a pref equity structure some of them will bring some kind of a hybrid pref jv to the table which means they split their equity between a couple of different structures uh part of it will be pref part of it will be regular equity jv equity it, it really, it just depends. Um, as far as the fees are concerned, some of them will fight you on fees. Some of them won't fight you on fees. Uh, some of them will let you take your full acquisition fees. Some of them will want to split it with you or will want you to reduce it. Um, or will, will, will not accept certain certain fees out, out of a deal. So it just, it's, it, a lot of it is negotiable, but there are certain parameters, obviously, that will work for the most part. You know, your, your acquisition fee, you need to be mindful of that. You need to be mindful of your fees in general, but you know, you can't, you know, I've seen underwritings come to me with exorbitant fees in who are looking at institutional equity. And I'm like, I, I don't, you know, I don't, what are you doing? What do you, I, you know, I don't know who you think you're going to with these fees, but uh, you know, that, that, that ship is never going to sail, man. Like it's, you know, can't, you can't go, you can't go to market to institutional group and charge four and a half percent, you know, uh, acquisition fee or 4% acquisition fee on, on a deal. And I've seen it, I've seen it, you know, multiple times where, um, you know, syndicators get, I hate to say it, they, they get a little greedy on the upfront fees that they can charge. And, um, and, and, you know, they, their fees go through the roof and I'm like, that's never gets, get, going to get signed on. Uh, and I feel sorry for the investors who are investing in those deals because they're paying a lot in fees upfront before they even get into the deal. So for those that are wanting to employ the institutional equity strategy, how do they go about finding uh, the institutional equity uh, money? Where do they look? Who, who do they contact? How do you conduct that search and start getting in front of people? Uh, you either have to sort of build it from the ground yourself and you have to research and, you know, you have to, you have to dig and you have to, uh, you know, uh, look at the market or, or you go through somebody, I, you know, I hate to, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm pitching, but uh, you go through somebody like us, uh, uh, you know, and who, who is specialized in placing institutional equity. Shameless uh, in, plug. Indeed. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, I hate to plug it it's in. Hard true. I don't, yeah. don't want to yeah. make it sound like a plug, but it's, it's true. I mean, you know, you either, you have to do the hard work yourself, you know, mm -hmm. dig around, find, find those institutional guys. You have to either go through buying software or, um, or you have to do the research or go attend, attend conferences, um, you know, build your network, you know, brick by brick yourself. Uh, you can do that. It's, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I did. I mean, that's what we, that's what we did at Mac. I didn't use anybody to place equity for me. I, I built it, built it myself. Yeah. So. And, and you're hitting us with uh, reality, the hard truth. Uh, I don't think your explanations are, are roundabout. Uh, this is why we like having experts like yourself on. Uh, it's the truth. It's the reality of the thing. 
And once again, it, it seems like in every podcast, if, if you're a real estate investor, if you're a syndicator, uh, networking, relationship building, so critical to everything that we do. Uh, and Dante and I always try to look at all of our relationships like that. If, if we can uh, take that approach of helping people get what they want, uh, you know, we see it come around time and time again. Um, but this is really a business about helping each other out. It's, I, I love, uh, I'll call it the, the non-competitive nature of this. It seems like the more you pour in, uh, the more that gets really given back to you, not that we have a give to get mentality, uh, but certainly just having the right mindset about helping people out, I, I think is awesome. So I, I love uh, that advice and guidance and now the understanding that I'm not just going to look them up in a phone book, not that anybody does that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's harking back to my to my days. That's how I broke my teeth. In I can relate, world. yes. So that's, uh, you know, I was, I was a boiler room boy. That's what I did. So that's how I came up through the through the investment world. So, um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you're absolutely right, DJ. Relationships are number one. Reputation is number one. Um, you know, this is a small industry. You know, it's, 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 you know, this, this isn't, this isn't pie. The, the, the more I keep for myself doesn't mean that if I give you something doesn't mean that I have less pie. There's plenty of pie for everybody. This is, there's not one pie that we're going after here. Yep. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a small world and it's, a, and it's, it's, you know, it's a small industry, you know, it, it's, I, I did, I didn't build myself. Uh, I'll just speak for myself and for, for my brother, we didn't build ourselves. My brother, Tony, we, you know, we didn't build ourselves by, by having bad reputation in the industry, you know, he, he, right, it's, right. it's, um, and, it takes and, 20 and years to build it and five years to destroy it. It takes, it takes five minutes to destroy it. So yeah. it takes five minutes to destroy it. It takes, it, it takes one bad move. It takes one, one person you screw. It takes, you know, and, and it, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it to me. I'd rather walk away from money any day than to sully my reputation in the industry. No, that's, I like that's it. Great stuff. Absolutely. Great integrity. Let's uh, let's head over to our next section of the show. This has been great so far. Let's head over to the curious cues. So, uh, John, we're going to throw some questions at you that we ask every guest and let's get your answers on them. Sound good? Perfect. All right. First question. Favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? If you have time for that, of course. Favorite podcast I enjoy listening to? Um, oh, God. Um, hmm. That's uh, that's these aren't even the trick questions yet. Yeah, I know. These aren't <laughs> I, I, I told you Dante asked the hard ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? I know. I know. Uh, I, 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 I listen to, um, I listen probably to, to Joe Rogan more often than not. So, yeah, uh, get that a lot. I, you know, I, I get that for the, you know, I, I would say if I was to listen to, to one podcast more consistently, I'll probably listen to Joe Rogan, uh, more often than not. Uh, but, but I, you know, I try to check out as many podcasts and for our industry as possible. And, um, there are so many good ones out there. And, um, so yeah, I, I would say if one answer, probably Joe Rogan would be the, the most one I listen to. Okay. Yeah. Favorite book you enjoy reading? Uh, I'm always reading. I have, I have, uh, if I take a picture of my nightstand, it's, it's got 20 books on it all the time. You know, I, I rotate my books. I, you know, I, I read my books in this, in the same way that I eat my candy. It's like, you know, I, I, I have like a several, several beads next to each other and I eat this from this bag and that bag. And that's the, that's the way I read books. I, Is there one that stands out? I was recently. just going to say, give us one good recommendation. You've yeah. really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, right now I'm, I'm reading a book called noise. 
Um, and, uh, that's, that's the, you know, what I'm, I, what I can tell you right now, that's, that's my current book that I'm, that I'm reading that I just added to my nightstand. Um, and it's about, uh, uh, it's about essentially sort of weeding through the non-important stuff in life and the non-important stuff in your business life and, uh, kind of, kind of concentrating on what's important and, and really kind of streamlining and just kind of getting, again, based on the title, getting rid of the noise out there. And, and just kind of focus on what, what is important for you. Yeah, no, I like that. Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? Uh, biggest hurdle in real estate that I had to overcome is, um, is probably adjusting to the fact that things can change overnight. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and nothing is guaranteed. And, um, and, and everybody, any, anybody, anything can, can be flipped the switch at any time. Um, that is probably the hardest lesson I learned. And I learned that back in 2007, 2008. Sobering so thought. <laughs> yeah. It, these were sobering times back then. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So favorite non-real estate related hobby. So in your free time, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, mountain biking would be probably number one. Um, running would be probably number two. Um, hiking and uh, being just being hot in nature in general would be probably number three. Um, I like it. Yeah, and uh, just uh, 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 writing, and uh, I write a lot, and uh, just kind of you know writing and, and actually doing some art would be probably number four. There you go. I like it. Uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's looking to get started in the, you know, the world that we're in? Uh, get started, get started rather yeah. earlier <laughs> than later. Get, get started. My advice is get started. You know, right. uh, you're, you're, you know, the, the biggest thing I would tell people is just be in the market, be, be in it and everything else will come. Um, you don't have to wait on timing. A lot of people, you know, ask me when is a good time to, to get into commercial real estate? When is a good time to, you know, it, it's always good time. It's, it's good time is right. Good time is right now. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to learn when you are in the market and you're going to make mistakes when you're in the market and you're going to make money when you're in the market. Um, and it, you, you can't time life. Sometimes you just have to be in it. Yeah, no, that's good. I like it. And, and John last one, here's your shameless plug. Again, I'll give it to you. Where can people uh, get connected with you? Reach out to you or if they have questions for you, just kind of pick your brain. Uh, yeah, they can, they can reach me, uh, through my social media. I'm on Instagram. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Um, I spend a good amount on LinkedIn. They can uh, check out our website, uh, peak 15 cap.com, uh, peak one, five, uh, peak one, five cap cap.com. Uh, they can, they can obviously find me on, on any social media. They can email me. Uh, we have, a uh, we just launched a podcast actually just recently. So, uh, it's called the breaking resistance called Jalal Azar, um, podcast, uh, presented. That, that should have been your favorite podcast. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, 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 it's my favorite, maybe one of my favorite, uh, pastimes, but no, it's, it's, That's it's right. not my, you know, that would be, that would be really self ingratiating, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Man, it. I love listening to myself. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That's right. No, uh, I, I actually, a hate humble guy. To we have, we have a humble man on the podcast. I actually I, hate I listening that. to myself. I don't like, I don't, I really, I, it's, it's really bad to say I don't listen to my podcast because I don't like listening to my own voice, to be honest. No, that's everyone though. That's everyone. We hear that. Everyone says that. I don't like hear my own voice after it's recorded. We get it. So we we certainly have enjoyed having you on and listening to you 
uh, a lot of wisdom in this this podcast and with what you're doing. Uh, clearly, you're a guy that that knows how to operate in this space. Yep. Um, and certainly somebody I think Dante and I look at and say, hey, you're somebody we can learn a lot from. Uh, so really appreciate, appreciate the it. opportunity to have you on and, and share some of this uh, tip of the iceberg. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you having me on and I appreciate you trusting me with dispensing some words. Of course. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.